listening to the Very Brave podcast, the podcast for women who are looking to find their brave and take more bold steps in life. We'll be chatting with women from all walks of life about redefining bravery away from just physical and heroic battlefield acts and being more inclusive of emotional, moral and spiritual bravery. The very things women the world over are participating in every single day. If you're ready to be inspired by stories of feminine bravery from across the globe and you know it's time to make your next bold move, then get comfortable, grab a coffee and let's get started. And welcome back to the Very Brave podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Jacqueline Nagel. Jacqueline, hello. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you. And I'm really excited to dig a little bit into your brave story today. But first of all, would you like to share with everyone uh, a little bit about who you are and uh, where you come from? I will, I will. And actually, it's kind of interesting. My brain went straight to what I need to introduce myself. It's so much easier when other people do it. But I've just come off this morning actually running a confidence program for women, and that is the last thing we should be doing. So, <laughs> so I currently work with subject matter experts and helping them to commercialize and create viable businesses. And I particularly do that with a lens on speaking and pitching and sales. My first love is language and communication. Always has been, always will be. I have a very diverse background. I can't fit and refuse to fit into a box. And so uh, that background includes growing a labour hire business, bought a $22 million in uh, 15 months of selling to an ASX-assisted company. I've been CEO of a traffic control company, industrial relations negotiator, breaking unions. And I also am a mother of four and love to travel and drink great, drink great red wine and go to great restaurants. Great introduction. (laughs) You mentioned there that you can't and won't fit into a box. When did this become apparent to you? Well, it's probably apparent to everybody around me for my entire life because I was always trying to break rules and I get very bored when I get caught in the mundane. So understanding how I'm built and how I'm wired has been really critical to actually owning that part of me. So I spent my most of my first half of my life so far trying to fit into a box and always extremely unhappy in myself because of that and through that making other people unhappy. So over the last five to ten years, I've got more comfortable with the fact that, you know, I do love, I'm socially curious. So if you're insatiably curious, you can't see in a box because you want to like see what other boxes there are and how you bring them together and how they make a different box. And so, you know, it's something that I've had to learn how to accept. But I really is that it's because I'm driven by an insatiable level of curiosity. When I see something, I want to know about it. And if I can see a way to make it different or better for the people in it, then I want to do that. So that's yeah. And it took a long time to get to be comfortable in that skin. And as you've become more comfortable in that skin, has that made other people uncomfortable? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's interesting. I just mentioned I was on a program this morning and I was leading and one of the things I said, we were talking about the accidental apology that women make all the time. That's why I was laughing when I went to hesitate with my own introduction. And one of the things that was really interesting was I, we've, it's come at almost the end of the course and the women were talking about, well, why wasn't this earlier? And I said, because actually to become unapologetic in our tone, in our voice, in our language, we have to have the other skills because the moment that you actually stop 
being apologetic and you own who you are, there's great resistance from the outside world. Mm. And so if you don't have the skills around that and how to navigate it, then it becomes a very scary place for most people if you don't have the resources and the foundations to actually deal with that change. So, you know, just eliminating the accidental sorry, like sorry for, sorry for, sorry for, and understanding how to show up really owning who you are is quite confronting to most people, especially when it's coming from a woman. And that's not, I'm not a, feminist I'm not a gender equality person it's just a simple statement of fact Mm. and it's obviously a brave standpoint to come from which brings me to my next question which is the concept of bravery itself how would you define it for you Jacqueline I think and I actually did a piece on this years and years ago which is why I love the topic of this podcast Bravery for me is not running into a burning building. It's the same as, you know, for a while I spoke on resilience. So resilience is not the one-time recovery story. We need moments of bravery that are big and heroic and we need to have them for the sake of our future. And we need to have the people that are prepared to be that brave. But bravery in the real world, in our everyday average day, is about being able to show up for whatever is in front of us. It's about being able to take a breath. It's about being able to give ourselves permission to fall to the floor and get up again. So bravery to me is in micro moments and it's in small decisions that add up to something different. And the bravest thing we can do is actually be present to whatever comes our way every day. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. So when you think about your life and especially over your career, I imagine that there's some standout moments where your own definition of bravery appears. Can you share some of those with me? Yeah, and it's it's funny how it shows up in so many different ways. So there's a couple of things that came to mind straight away. So as a young manager, I took over a family-owned business and reimagined it when I, at the age of 29. And as a young manager, I was quite directive and also very visionary, which isn't as great as it sounds because I was always running ahead and forgetting to bring people with me. And so one of the bravest things I had to do at the age of about 30, and this is where my love for language came in, actually, I'd always loved words, but actually understanding language and linguistics and how we use them. I actually had to learn how to slow down and to make space for people to catch up. And that at the time was really brave because I was somebody who'd come from a trauma background. So being in total control of every element and being at the front of everyone was the secret to my survival. So to change my leadership style and to slow down and to include others and to bring them on the journey was one of the bravest things I've ever done in my life. So that was absolutely one. We also, um, and I was talking about having to show up, and this is fairly deep, I did lose a 2IC by suicide in a business, that business that I was running. And I was running a business with 200 staff with um, lots of people who were really, really impacted. She was like my right hand and my mirror. And I had to actually show up every single day and guide the team, our clients and our employees through that every day. And I think that is one of the bravest things I've ever done in my life because all I wanted to do was run and hide and bury myself in my grief. And so bravery also comes from there's two elements to bravery. Like the first one that was about me. And that was internal. The second one was actually I had to be brave enough to stand in the space that other people needed me to be in, right? It wasn't actually, it was was other people focused. And so that's kind of two really quite big ones. And I think the bravest thing you can do is actually choose to design a life, you know, choose to be honest in who you are. That's taken me a long time. I just turned 50. 
and I feel as though I'm just getting the hang of it now. But, you know, we grow up like I've, I've had the magical family and the great business and the beautiful career and my children are amazing. But the pathway to getting from there to here has been quite fraught with danger from a society perspective because I wanted to step out and I wanted to draw outside and colour outside the lines. And that has definitely not always gone down well. So the bravest thing you can do is show up as who you are. Mm. And I think you're highlighting what's been highlighted over and over again in these podcast episodes with the different kinds of bravery. Um, For myself, I've categorised them three ways with Mm -hmm. uh, moral bravery, spiritual bravery and emotional bravery. And I think especially in the story that you shared there, and thank you for sharing it uh, about your 2IC that you lost through suicide, there's obviously emotional bravery there showing up when you absolutely don't even know how you can. The spiritual bravery uh, to understand who you are and, and show up as that and moral bravery in the decisions that you have to make around all yeah. of those things. Do those three categories speak to you um, as a uh, Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, we both come from a world where we modelise everything and I feel like that's almost like a perfect band. And why it speaks to me really strongly is when we're younger, we think that bravery is big and heroic. And then we get to a stage where we realise bravery is a thing, but it's, it's so multifaceted, you know, and bravery is also built further the the piece that I did a few years ago was talking about how can we be a little bit braver every day so it's not about being all of a sudden brave and doing the big thing it's like every day can I be a little bit braver than I was yesterday Mm. and that takes looking honestly at all of those three categories and then also at the end of every day being grateful for what you've been brave about today because it reinforces that you can do it again tomorrow Mm. Um, but those three categories I love that And what you've just said then about being a little bit more brave each day is a great segue into my next question, which was going to be, you know, there's there's women in the world and girls uh, as well who grow up believing that there are certain things we just must endure as women every day. And sometimes we don't even bat an eyelid to the brave actions that we take. So how do you think we can encourage more girls and more women, first to understand these other definitions of bravery, but then to use them uh, to make more brave moves? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. The definitions that you've shared and getting people to understand, that's actually about having conversations like this and making the conversations ripple. Mm. So, you know, we we actually have been very quiet on this front as women and we might think about it ourselves or talk about it in our family units or with our close girlfriends, but we definitely don't talk about it in a bigger realm. You know, I mentioned before I was CEO of a traffic control company for a while. The first time I stepped into the association's meeting, I was the only C-suite woman in the whole state. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. It was more archaic and male-dominated than anything I've been involved in before. And that was terrifying. Right. So there's all these different ways that you have to think about it. But if we don't have the conversations in a wider audience, like, you know, we all will have those conversations with our girlfriends and we'll all have those conversations with our support networks. But we need 
the conversation abroad and we need to actually be brave enough to have the conversations outside of our known support networks. That's number one. The second thing is we talk about, I look at my two daughters and they're really strong individual women in very different ways. One absolutely wants family and marriage and white picket fences and she's achieving all of that. And the other one is fiercely independent, working in Intel in a prison, studying forensic psychology and, you know, wants to adopt children and, and you know, like they've, they're very, very different independent and I say to people all the time, it's almost like they've taken on everything I wanted for my life by osmosis and taken it and put their own stamp on it. So women and young girls can't become what they can't see. So we have to model it at home. We have to model it at work. We have to model it in business. And we have to model it on the stages. We have to not just talk about it, but be brave enough to show up and do it. Because when I look at my daughters, they really have taken on board all the dreams that I don't feel like I'll really get to in my lifetime, but they're like almost by osmosis exemplifying all of it. So if we can do that with our own children, most of us, that's what we're doing with our daughters, then we can do it for the broader community as well. Like we need to, we can't be what we can't see, Mm. right? And so it's, it's all well and good to have the conversations, but then the brave of us amongst us need to step up and lead the way so that others can follow. Mm. And I think the we can't be what we can't see. I've actually seen this pop up in quite a few places um, in the last week on social media, in memes and reels and all of those things that, you know, we probably entertain ourselves with just a little bit too often. But also (laughs) the concept of how when a woman sees another woman stepping out in a space to recognize that she's not actually your competition she's proof it can be done I think there's also that mindset shift that there is that is really necessary it's um and I I can get very passionate about this bit because Mm. um having achieved really well you know um in different realms I was always surprised that I didn't actually get to grow my female networks it was always a male men were my champions men were my mentors men were my support networks which was great and that's why I'm not, a, you know, as I said, I'm not about gender equality because we can get inspiration and learning from anywhere. But the fact that no women stood in beside me and I had I had something happen and I had a major project in 2015, 2016. I was bringing Reese Witherspoon to Australia as a keynote speaker and the lead into that, it went crazy. So we launched this project and it went insane. Our media exposure was out of control. But the more exposure I got, and this was actually about creating a world of brave and ambitious women, right, something that we thought was necessary, something that we wanted to launch in a big way. We had lots of partnerships with very big organisations, and this was to be the start of a journey. Now, those who know my story know that it ended up in a firestorm, but it didn't start that way. And so it was interesting, though, because the more attention we got and the more traction we got, the more women turned against me right and it was subtle and it was insidious and it wasn't something you could put your finger on and it it really exemplified itself in I actually got to a point where I wouldn't speak at an event unless somebody was with me so somebody from my support network because it was getting quite vicious and I was actually introduced by somebody an MC who nailed the tagline so I'm standing off to stage right ready to walk on stage now the tagline introduced me, got it all, like, you know, creating a world of brave, ambitious women, was a female icon of mine till this point. I was so ecstatic that she was introducing me. And as I'm stepping onto stage, she looks straight at me and she says, well, that all sounds a little bit terrifying for all of us, doesn't it? Do we really need to be brave and ambitious? 
as I'm walking onto the stage. And it was what? It was so vicious. And I'm not going to say who it was. The people in the room were there. There was about 300 people in the room, so it wasn't a small stage. And when I came off, it was so obvious and so blatant that two men came and stood either side of me and both leaned into me and said, are you okay? That was uncalled for. Are you okay? That was harsh. And that is one of the things, you know, um, I got talking. So my cousin by marriage at the time was the head writer of HBO and we used to have these late night conversations with wine. I've actually now realised it was her early morning, so I don't know why she was always drinking wine with me. But anyway, she said, yeah, <laughs> let's let's put it down to that. And I was talking, and she said, you know, being raised in the era of film and theatre writing in the US, she said misogyny is a real thing amongst women, mm. and and it's and it's we don't have that conversation enough. Ready to wake up every day and live your bravest life. Sign up today for our 365 Days of Brave, and you will receive a daily brave message from Rachel Evans herself directly into your inbox, completely free of charge. Go to bravemedianetwork.com backslash 365 and sign up for your daily brave messages today. We talk about, you know, we need to be what we can't, but we don't actually make it safe for women to stand up. We don't actually, we're talking about that today, like how do we celebrate and how do we come together instead of going, well, it's like we, we've we been bred to believe that there's scarcity. So if someone gets that bit, then there's not enough room for me. So if someone stands on that stage, there's not enough room for me, right? We've got to change it because the stage is huge, mm. right? The stage is massive. And it's not even about just women having the stage because, as I said, the men were the biggest support for me. The other thing that happened with this event, we sold hundreds and hundreds of tickets before the event was cancelled. This was an event for women only, creating a world of brave and ambitious women. And just before, and I've never spoken about this publicly, actually, just before we ran into contractual breaches um, on Team Reese's end, my director of marketing and communications came to me and she said, we've got something we've got to have a look at with the data. And I'm like, what's that? And she said, like, 70% of the tickets are being bought by men. And I was like, you mean, like, they're using their credit cards, teams, whatever. I said, no, literally 70% being bought by men, for the women on their teams, the women in their businesses, their girlfriends, their daughters, their sisters, their, like literally men were standing back and saying, this looks amazing, why don't you go, right? And the, the event cancelled before we were able to actually really bring that to light. Mm-hmm. So we do need to be much better as women at supporting other women and also not celebrating just the superheroes, mm. right? We're really good at applauding the superheroes, the women who've punched through and defied the odds and risen like a phoenix from the ashes and taken the... But what about the woman that's actually running the PCYC? What about the woman who's um, running our surf club? What about the woman who's got her little $200,000 bookkeeping business that, that has changed the lives for her family? Mm. Like, it doesn't have to be amazing in the big world, on the big stage. It just has to be amazing on a stage that matters. Mm. And the word extraordinary comes up for me a lot when I'm thinking about brave, but I always come back to it doesn't have to be extraordinary on the world stage. It's just extraordinary to you because it might be something that you have not pushed yourself to do before or that you have uh, even seen anyone else do before, but you're sure you yeah. can do. And that's that's one of the things as well. Like it is, it is literally is in those moments we have a um, a young woman professional in this course that we're doing who is from India and she's an architect. And doing this course about confidence and bravery, 
she finally got up the courage to go and sign up for swimming lessons because being in Australia, she can't swim. It wasn't part of her upbringing. And so her sense of achievement for the first time actually saying out loud that she can't swim and she wants to and then going and actually signing up for the lessons and doing the first lesson was mind-blowing to watch in front of you, Mm. right? You know, so just doing something you've never done before is so brave and it builds the muscle of bravery, you know. It can be, you know, we know, we all know so many women that front up over and over again for IVF treatment, you know, and that takes courage. It's brutal. My last child, my fourth child was um, 10 weeks premature. You know, you have your, you have your throat in your mouth every day for months. It, it doesn't have, and that didn't affect anyone but our immediate family. Mm right? But you have your throat in the heart for months. And so it takes a special kind of courage to navigate on behalf of someone else. It takes a special kind of courage to do something. So this young Indian woman, you know, to say in a room full of Australian women, I went and signed up for swimming lessons because I want to be able to swim. Like even just saying that is Mm. so brave. Mm. I very much agree. And um, I thank you for sharing that story with us about your experience because I understand even the internal dialogue that you would have had to have had with yourself in the years since just to be able to get yourself in a position to be able to speak. So um, thank you. What would the Jacqueline of today say to 20-year-old Jacqueline uh, given the experience? of your life I always think I don't ever want this question you that your first person ever actually landed on me (laughs) in all seriousness I'd say what I say to the women in my world now like say the thing that makes you shake find your voice Mm. and trust it right find your voice and trust it so for through a variety of reasons and you know me as I love teaching speaking and sales and lots of stuff but for a variety of reasons I didn't have my voice right through until probably my late 20s and if you, what I would say to her is don't worry so much about where you're going to go, worry about how you're going to get there. You are listening to The Very Brave Podcast. You know, enjoy how you're going to get there, but the number one thing you can do, honey, is learn how to use your voice. Mm. Number one thing for yourself and for others. So um, important. Mm. Yeah. And one final question. I know that you feel like you are in the best moments of your life so far, but I also imagine that there are many more brave moments to come. Can you share with me what uh, your next brave move might be? So my brave move is actually my next brave move. So there's a couple. One is getting married again. And I know you know all about that. So what is getting married again? And it's not brave as in I don't want to do it. It's just like I think we're more aware that this needs to be the best possible move when mm. we're a bit older. The other thing is actually taking things back outside of my lunchbox. So the last few five years, nearly six now since my spectacular failure, I have managed to do really well but within my own lunchbox. So very carefully curated, not really visible to people outside of my own world, and I've done that deliberately. And some of it's been because I need the space to heal. Some of it's been because I need the space to rebuild my brave muscle. Some of it's been because I use COVID as cover. Like I actually wanted to hide. So I use COVID as cover. But getting back out amongst where people may actually throw my previous failure at me is terrifying. But I have no choice. I know what I want to do. And so my next brave move is actually taking that that visibility that I've built in my own lunchbox out to a bigger stage again and 
that's quite frankly terrifying on a daily basis. Mm. And now you're making me ask one more question because because you described uh, what happened as your great failure. Mm. Can you explain why you call it that? Is that actually said with with good feelings or yeah. it's it's still, you know, I failed and no, all so, of the negative? So and so I call it the great failure because it's not I failed. Yeah. Right. Really fine distinction. And because I'm a language nut, it's really important. So it is a great failure. And it was. And some of it is because one of the things that happened to me just afterwards was about six weeks later, somebody asked for some help with selling tickets to an event. I was like, I am not touching this. I'm not going near this. He's like, I just really need your insight, your strategy. And so I helped him behind the scenes. Obviously, no one knew. And then he offered for me to have some time with the speaker coming over from the US as a thank you. And this particular person said to me, look, I understand the story. I've been told the story. He said, but I don't understand what's wrong. He said, in America, he said, that would be your first failure as an entrepreneur. It would be like, great, first step of your apprenticeship, dust you off and send you on your way. And when it's not public, you can do that in Australia. When it's public, it's very hard. So what I realised was, one, it wasn't me, and I've had, I've done a lot of examination. It was something that was outside of my control, which for those people in business, interestingly enough, I knew was the highest risk figure factor right at the start. So it was identified as the only risk that we couldn't manage, mm. right? And we decided to do it anyway. But it, I didn't fail. It was a failure, right? It was a contractual failure. As a previous mentor in the US said to me, it was a deal gone bad, mm. right? It wasn't I didn't fail. But the reason why I do, and I get challenged quite a lot, why do you use the language failure? Like, you know, blah, blah, wasn't it learning? Wasn't it like, look at where you are now? And absolutely all of that. There are things that I wouldn't be able to do or teach now without that experience. But we have to get more comfortable, especially in Australia, with the fact that failure is a part of learning and success. Mm-hmm. And we don't talk about it. It's like, oh, you know, it's like I had this little bump and I had this little bubble. No, it was a failure. I fell on my knees, but you know what? You can get back up. We actually have to get more comfortable. If we're going to be brave, We have to be brave on the things that we don't want as well as the things that we do, right? And we in Australia, our conversation around failure is wrong, right? We celebrate the comeback in Australia, absolutely. But when we fail, we crucify people. And that's in a little stage or a big stage. And our conversation, our sense around failure, it's not normalised. It's seen as this failure of character, right? We need to be able to have the conversations. We don't need to bury ourselves in it. It's not a destination. It doesn't have a postcode. We shouldn't stay there right? But we need to be willing to say that was a failure and not I was a failure. That was a failure. That idea went a little bit wrong. Here's mm. my next one. Wow. Super powerful. And I uh, I definitely hope that for everyone listening, that if you've got a failure that you've been holding on to, that you can certainly take from what Jacqueline's saying and uh, reframe it as, you know, a uh, bravery in itself that that failure didn't knock you out of the game altogether, number one, that you got back up, uh, put one foot in front of the other. And yes, we love a good comeback in Australia, but let's not just celebrate that part because that takes away all of the uh, all of the learning and all of the growth. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jacqueline. It's been absolutely wonderful uh, to have you on the Very Brave podcast and uh, get your insights on bravery and learn some more about your own very brave journey. Thank you so much for letting me share. Thank you for listening to the Very Brave podcast. 
If you like this episode, please follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Also, remember to give us a rating and review. I'll be reading out reviews on future podcast episodes, and I'd love to share your insights. For more information and additional resources, check out the website at www.therealrachel.com and www.bravemedianetwork.com. I love hanging out on Instagram as well, so make sure you follow me there at The Real Rachel Evans. And let's continue this conversation. I look forward to chatting with you next time.